Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are coming to you a day earlier than usual because uh, we usually record on Tuesday nights and I had a schedule conflict on Tuesday but we are here and loud and proud, and I didn't intend this when I said loud and proud, but coincidentally, we have Emily Proud of News Channel 2 joining us in this podcast episode. It's been a while since Emily was on this podcast, but we are excited to have her back. She is, in in my opinion, the very best of, of all of the television reporters we have in the Nashville sports market. She's really good at what she does. We can't wait to talk to her. We're also going to be recapping the first week of Titans training camp, and as I was telling you guys a minute ago, I did not expect to learn as much as I have about this team in such a short period of time as I have over this first week of training camp. So we've got a great episode coming to you today, and if you like what you're listening to, why don't you follow us on social media? You can do that at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to or follow the show wherever you are listening to get easier and faster access to all of our new episodes. Will and Matthias, what has stood out to you from what you have seen and heard across the grapevine from the first week of training camp? Something that has excited me a little bit, I think most of it came today, but Christian Fulton definitely got a lot of praise. Uh, uh, by all accounts, he played really well today, and he. He's had a good camp so far, uh, and I think that's really because 
we have a lot riding on him, especially, I mean, he was a second round pick last year, uh, and we all thought he played solidly. Uh, we didn't think he was anything outstanding, but he definitely wasn't bad last season. And we're kind of expecting him to take that next step just because the defense was so bad last year. Uh, and we need them all to improve, especially on the back end. And these reports coming out are very positive. Uh, and, and I think it's it's great news for, for the cornerback room, which uh, has hit a, a couple of other of them have also gotten praise. Like Janoris Jenkins apparently has been picking everything off uh, the last couple of days. Uh, and add to that a improved Kristen Fulton and Caleb Farley, who actually came back uh, and practiced for the first time today. Uh, I think we're going to talk about that later. Uh, but it's definitely exciting, definitely exciting. And I personally am, was a huge fan of Kristen Fulton coming out. And I, I think it's great news for the Titans uh, if he actually reaches that potential. And it seems uh, by early impressions that he's definitely going to be able to take that next step this season. Yeah, and since you went defense, I'll go ahead and go to the other side of the ball with Racy McMath, who I think, I, I don't know, maybe all of our first exposure to him was, wow, that's a really funny name. Like, I know I changed my Twitter handle and did all that because it was just such such a weird name, and I'm not sure I'll ever remember it correctly in my head. I have to think about it several times. But, I mean, by all accounts, he came into training camp, or he came into uh, OTAs, Looking bigger and wearing 81 and everybody talked about how maybe he's kind of that hybrid tight end guy but now I mean he's lining up and beating corners on the outside and uh, I mean I think AJ Brown said that he reminds him of Julio just from a freakish athletic standpoint I want to say Jim Nagy uh, brought up that they clocked him at a 4-3-5 during the senior bowl process yeah, yeah, Nagy himself uh, said that they clocked him at a four three five, um, which I mean, whatever. Like it's all it's all theoretical stuff, and you know, stopwatches. But to see it on the field and to see him continue to take steps forward and get called out in a positive way by not only AJ Brown but by uh, Mike Vrabel and by other people, it's encouraging, and it almost along with cornerbacks just takes a look at where this team was last year at wide receiver and corner and just how much better they are at these positions and how much deeper, especially. So uh, he, he's been probably the most interesting storyline to me. You know, the thing about racy and I'm going to comment on what, what both of you guys have said. Let's start here though, with racy McMath. Every time someone is asked about him, whether it's a quarterback, uh, another receiver, Frable, extremely consistently their eyes light up and it's rare you have someone like that and Mike Vrabel is not one to give individual praise you know you ask him how such and such player are doing and the answer is usually you know he's doing what everybody else is doing he's trying to get better every day blah 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 with Racy McMath he was he said he said man that's a fun guy to coach Racy is and just went on about that and he is clearly better now than he was just a few weeks ago in rookie minicamp by a significant margin. He, he looks better in all of the drills. He's, he's making big plays. And, you know, while I'm not going to go the A.J. Brown distance and say that he is, you know, has Julio potential, I will say that he does have an inside track, I think, to make this roster, especially after Vrabel came out and said that he is in line for a major special teams role. 
Yeah, and I think that's how we assumed he was going to make the team because of his special teams ability. I, I think that's probably the primary reason uh, that they drafted him. I mean, when they drafted him and they were showing highlights uh, uh, on the ESPN or NFL Network broadcast, the highlights were on special teams. Uh, and, and most of the analysts, analysts were saying, like, he's going to make the team as a special team or as a gunner. Uh, and then we'll see if he can develop as a receiver going forward because he really didn't get that many opportunities uh, at LSU. Uh, he only had 33 career catches, uh, but he did have 50.8 yards per reception, so he was a big play guy. Uh, and, I mean, whenever we saw him, at, at least in those like early highlights when we drafted him, he looked huge and fast, uh, and it seems like uh, some of that is translating over into training camp uh, which is a great sign for his development. I don't think he's going to come in there in his rookie season and, and just tear everything up. I, 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 I don't think anyone is actually expecting uh, that of him, but maybe he can mix in every now and then and be that big play threat uh, and then continue developing as a receiver while all at the same time uh, being a core special teamer. I mean, getting that out of a six-round pick is, is huge. Yeah, and I think when they drafted him, I compared him to a bigger Khalif Raymond, which is where you wanted him to end up, and it looks like he's going to be that and more. And I, I don't know how often you get guys who are that good and aggressive on special teams who actually turn out to be talent on offense. So I'm trying not to trade McBride myself and really like overestimate what he'll become, but the good news is, is, you know, this isn't the 2008 roster. Like you don't, you don't need a guy like this to do anything more than play special teams and get better in year one. And then you can worry about his development down the line. Like some of the other guys they've had, like Christian Fulton or like Amani hooker, or, you know, and the list goes on. So I I'm interested to see what maybe the best assistant coach on the Titans roster and Rob Moore, what he can do with somebody with that kind of potential. I want to talk more about the receivers because I think that's maybe the biggest topic worthy of conversation coming out of this first week of practices. But first I want to hit on what Matias brought up as, as his big observation, which is the, the defensive back core. And there's a lot to hit on here too. Matias, a player you, you didn't even bring up that has also shined is Breon Borders. He's someone that – you know, we know what Breon Borders is. He's not a starting caliber player. We saw that last year. But he is someone who, if you need him or, or can play a rotational role, he is that guy. And as a result, I think he's pretty locked in to a role on this team. But this secondary last year stunk. It was awful. It was one of the reasons why this team was so bad. Kevin Byer was all over the place. Kenny Vaccaro didn't make impact plays. Malcolm Butler was pretty good. Dory Jackson looked like a, a lost child in a mall for a majority of the season. Desmond King did nothing. You know, it, it was a disaster. And so this group is going to have to turn it around, and they're going to have to do so with these new pieces and these new players that are being brought in. Jack Rabbit Jenkins is someone that, that has performed very well. He, he's a lot longer than I expected him to be. Like I was telling you guys, he's picked off Ryan Tannehill. Actually, he's picked off all three quarterbacks once each. Uh, Brown Borders has had some picks. We mentioned his name, Christian Fulton. I thought dominated in in Monday's practice. Made several nice plays. Variable commented on that. Uh, another player, guys, Amani Hooker. I thought uh, Jared Stillman from from one hundred two five. The game made an interesting comment about Amani Hooker, and I agree with this take. He said, 
you know, I'm not going to come out here and say, you know, I think Amani Hooker's going to make the Pro Bowl, and I'm not going to predict that. But if you came to me from the future and you said, hey, by the way, at the end of the season, Amani Hooker's going to be in the Pro Bowl, I'd kind of go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And I'm very much with him on that. Like, I, I don't think the odds are in favor of that. I'm not going to predict that that's what's happening. But if you came back from the future and you said, by the way, Amani Hooker's going to be the Pro Bowl, yeah, that makes sense. I could see that happening. Yeah, it's funny you bring up Omani Hooker because I've actually been thinking about him recently, not in a weird way. I, I, I've just been wondering about his. I've been wondering about his position and what he's particularly going to play because we've always thought of Hooker as more of a center field type of safety, uh, but that's what Kevin Byard has been uh, throughout his career, at least since his rookie season. Rookie season, he played more uh, in the box. I'd say. Uh, so I wasn't sure how the two of them would mix or if a hooker would just slot into Kenny Vaccaro's role uh, immediately. And I think that's definitely something to look forward to uh, in this revamped defense. Whatever position they, they play him in, I think he's going to play well because he's always played well. I, I have never seen Amani Hooker have a bad game or make too many mistakes, too many mistakes in a certain game. Yeah. And I mean, this is. This is a guy that he had four interceptions last year. Like he is a ball hawk, and and if he's allowed a lot of freedom to roam, uh, in that in that back portion of the the defense, he's gonna get numbers because he's just a really talented player. He has a lot of instincts. Uh, he he was one of the better collegiate defensive players. Uh, when he was at Iowa, uh, it was kind of shocking that he slipped to I think it was the fourth round, right? That we took him in. Or yes, maybe fourth the round. third. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were shocked that that happened, uh, and I think we were too, and it just seemed like a really great value pick, uh, and I think it's going to end up paying a lot of dividends, and I'm excited that that he's getting the opportunity uh, to be a full-time player because he has a ton of potential. Yeah, and I still think that the guy who's going to replace Vaccaro in a lot of ways is going to be Elijah Molden. I think it, he plays that physical in the box extra dime kind of back. Like I think he plays that really well despite his size. Plus I think they're going to want to get him on the field. But while y'all were talking about that, I, I couldn't help but think, okay, if you were a sports book right now and you had to pick the team leader in interceptions for the Titans, would you pick Amani Hooker who led the team last year and had four, even though he only started four games? Uh, or would you put pick Kevin Byard with his extensive resume and how big would the difference be? Like, do y'all think it's neck and neck? Do you think there's a chance that Hooker takes I, it? I mean, I'm I, I'm not in the business of betting against Kevin Byard. Even last year, he he is still the guy where you need a big play late in the game. You're looking to him, but I I, I don't think it's terribly far away the distance in the two. Something that uh, that Matias said also kind of rung true with me is I think Hooker is more of a corner-turned-free safety kind of guy. And like he said, like, Byard in his rookie year and even after that, I think in his second and third year, he played a lot in the box, so much so that he would he was one of their better run-fit players for a long time. So if you're saying, okay, you have to have these two safeties on the field, what's the best way to use them? I'm not sure that if there's not a situation where you just say, like, 
we trust Kevin Byard and maybe he can do some stuff over the middle and, you know, whatever. But if we've got to pick somebody to blitz, we're leaving Hooker deep because we've seen him, you know, make plays more recently. Like, again, I'm, I'm not – I think Byard's had a really good camp so far from all – all accounts and I think he's shown that he can obviously be that guy there's only one guy since 2017 with more interceptions than him and that's Xavier Howard and he had 10 last year and that's the only reason he reached him so it, I'm obviously not trying to take anything from Byard but I'm trying more to speak to the fact that Hooker seems like he might have some of that same ball hawk in his DNA and it's really interesting because I'm not sure the last time I've seen a defensive backfield in the NFL with two true ball hawking defensive like backs that, that seems unique to me yeah and Byard is a very good in the box safety like he's done it before and he's done it very well uh, and when he's allowed to play closer to the line of scrimmage, like we've seen him cut into the backfield on run plays uh, and get tackles for loss. We've seen him blitz with efficiency at, at times uh, when he's asked to do it. So, I mean, he could play that role if if they want him to. And I think they could interchange uh, at, at will. Uh, and that's a real luxury to have. Let's talk about the wide receivers. <clears throat> Excuse me, Adam frog in my throat let's talk about the wide receivers in a bigger context of the position as a whole we, we talked a lot about racing mcmath but this is a position that has really caught people's attention from you know the top of the line guys we knew who, what julio jones was going to be i think aj brown looks better than ever i think he's improved he, he, he has lost some weight he's faster he's quicker i think he's going to uh, take a, a big leap forward in 2021 but what's really stood out with this position is the group of guys competing for those three or four spots beyond the top three. Because the top three is locked in. It's Julio, it's A.J. Brown, it's uh, Josh Reynolds. But beyond that, you know, I, I think Des Fitzpatrick probably is in because he was a, a fourth or fifth round draft pick. I can't remember at the moment. And, and you don't cut someone you draft that highly. But the others, it, it's up for grabs. And they're in a position where you may end up having to keep seven because if you if they were to choose their six favorite receivers, I feel like it would be the top three. It would be Fitzpatrick. It would be Racy McMath. And it would be Nick Westbrook-Akina. The problem with that is, is you leave yourself without a punt returner. And so that's where a seventh receiver would potentially come in. And I think the leader of the pack with that right now would be Chester Rogers. Because the three receivers who've been returning punts are Rodgers, Cameron Batson, and Mason Kinsey. And of those three players, I think Chester Rodgers is clearly the best offensive player. And he's also proven through an extensive resume with the Colts to be a reliable and safe punt returner. And kickoff returner, incidentally. Hold on. Hold on. Are we, are we saying Westbrook Akina is going to make the roster for sure? Uh, I don't know. I, I think there's – because he doesn't return punts, I think there's a chance he doesn't because Racy's a better gunner than him. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I feel like he was one of the coaching staff's favorites. Oh, he was. Uh, last season. So, yeah, but we were also really struggling with wide receiver depth, and that's not really the issue uh, this season. Um, in terms of Rodgers and, and Batson, yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to, to who wins uh, the punt return competition, right? Isn't the other one, was Kinsey part of that punt return competition also? 
Yes, Mason Kinsey. Yep. Yeah, so I feel like whoever wins that one is, is assured of a of a roster spot. Um, and I don't think you can. I, I don't think Rogers and Basson are both making the team. I think it's, it's one or the other. Uh, and Rogers has just been more productive as a receiver. I think he's been more productive as a punt returner, uh, also. So. That seems like a logical decision. I know Batson is is a coaching staff favorite, um, and we've kind of railed on him in the past. But I mean, he is what he is. Uh, he's probably a little faster than Chester Rogers, but Rogers is definitely a more polished uh, receiver. Uh, probably more in the mold of maybe a Tajay Sharp, who's kind of like a possession receiver. Um, plus, Rogers has experience as a punt returner, and he's had success uh, in that role. So, yeah, I, I definitely think Rogers will will probably uh make the team i don't know how many how many receivers are going to keep seven seems like a lot uh especially because you have aj brown julio jones and josh reynolds who are all good good to great starters so i don't i don't know what i would do honestly yeah so i kind of wrote this out and i have six guys that make sense to keep and that's aj julio reynolds fitzpatrick mcmath and rogers and my thought process behind that is I'm hoping that the practice squad rules this year are going to be the same that they were last year, where you can kick guys down and then you can, you know, you can lock them in, you can bring guys up, you can do all that kind of stuff, that flexibility stuff. I think that makes the most sense because you can't expose McMath or Fitz because they'll both be gone. Um, you can't expose. Uh, Rogers because he's your one punt returner. So that leaves basically Batson or whoever else, but I'm just going to say Batson as a guy who can do different things for you, who can kind of be a band aid, but no team is going to go like searching out a, a, like a practice squad for somebody who can do what Batson does. Like there's not, there's not enough spots on a roster for somebody else. Whereas if any of those other guys were in the practice squad, I think that their future upside or their special teams abilities will just be too much. It would be too risky to leave them on the practice squad where somebody could poach them. So that that's how I think it shakes out. But it's, it's very interesting for the first time in a long, long time where there's actually a number crunch at wide receiver and not just, Here's Corey Davis and AJ Brown and some other guys behind him. Yeah, and I made this comment on one of our A to Z uh, post practice recaps, which is for years the Titans' depth at receiver was just sort of guys who existed, and I think they have some of those. I think. Cody Hollister is someone who just exists. I think Kalijah Lipscomb is someone who just exists. But the guys that we're talking about as fighting for those spots, each has some kind of unique trait that they would bring to the offense. Chester Rogers is a guy who can play in the slot and and be probably a, a good fill-in there if he needed to. Mason Kinsey, super fast. Nick Westbrook-Akina is apparently – very technically sound, and, and this coaching staff really likes him. Racy McMath has got these incredible physical tools. And so with all these players that we're talking about, they all give you something beyond just, well, we got to have six, so come on over, you know? Yeah, and that's exactly what happened a couple of years ago. We, we talk about it a lot, but 
we thought the Titans were going to keep like seven or eight receivers. They ended up keeping five just because the other guys weren't talented. They they, they really weren't talented enough uh, to keep on the NFL roster. Uh, and, and that's definitely different this year. I mean, Chester Rogers uh, started a bunch of games for the Colts the last two seasons, uh, he, and he's been productive in the past. Uh, like you said, Kinsey apparently is very fast. Westbrook Akina made some plays last, last season when he when he was put into into games in a pinch, uh, and he showed up in a couple of games. And he's also a good special teamer. So uh, these definitely aren't just pushovers. Like if these guys get cut, they're probably going to get picked up pretty quickly by a, another team. Yep, I mean, I I don't I don't want to beat a dead horse or anything like that. But we've come such a long way from the five tight ends in a fullback era or whatever that yes, was. Like yeah. it, it's. It's such a like, and and everything always points back to this for me, and I always bring it up. But man, this roster looks so much different under John Robinson than it does than than it did in any of the two decades before that. Like, it's just a different. I mean, it's built sort of in in those power run like physical defense. It's built in the image of those, but they're just so much more flexible and versatile. That's so funny that that you bring up that because you you, you remember the days where we'd be sitting around going. How are they ever going to keep Chase Kaufman and Philip Supernall on the team? <laughs> how are they? How are they going to manage to keep Harry Douglas and Trey McBride? Yeah, those those were bad times. And it's now, like, and now was, we're like, hey, whoever they keep, who cares? Put on a helmet, so yeah. let's go. Yeah, it's like who's going to play behind the Hall of Famer and the guy who's probably going to go to? Well, not probably, but whose starter's career is on paving a Hall of Fame. Pace. Hall of yeah. fame. Yeah, it's like in front of the Hall of Fame running back. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like everything else doesn't matter because this team has found a way to get competent play from their backups, even when they're not super talented. And then when they are, they elevate them. And oh, by the way, it doesn't matter because you have superstars. Yeah, exactly. If you had to pick right now, guys, are they going to keep six or seven? And who are. Though that number, like who who's making it up? Hmm. I really don't know. I kind of have to see what they do at the other positions. It's probably going to be dependent on how many tight ends and how many running backs they keep. Um, I don't know. I feel like they might go with six. I really, I feel seven kind of feels like overkill to be honest. Um, and man, but they really like Westbrook Akina. I don't know. It might be seven. Yeah, I think they go. I think they go six, and it, I say that hoping that they overlook their love for Westbrook, Akina, and Batson, and they put those guys on the practice squad and rotate them. I get this weird feeling they're going to keep four running backs. Like I think they're going to keep Derrick Henry, Darrington Evans, Brian yeah. Hill, and Kerry Blasingame, which I guess oh you know, four yeah, back. but if you but count like that, yeah, yeah, and if you do that, it's like. Where are you going to fudge the numbers? Because you got to have four tight ends. Because you've got two that are going to start and play heavily, and you need two backups. You've got what four or five offensive tackles when you consider what happened with Lawan last year. You have one backup interior guy. It's like I mean, you run out of spaces quick. So I really don't know how else they could fit. You know, four running backs on their roster. I find it hard-pressed to think they're going to keep seven receivers. It makes sense theoretically, but I just don't see it. 
But at the same time, I don't see them being willing to part ways with Nick Westbrook-Akina, who I think if you keep six is the odd man out. Because you're not letting go of Race McMath. He's getting claimed instantly on waivers if you get rid mm-hmm. of him. He he And, and Vrabel said he's going to have a major special teams role. That, to me, says he's on the team. And then yeah. you got to have a punt returner. And, and I yeah. would think that that's going to be Chester Rogers if, if they had to make this decision tomorrow. And the so question think, to me – sorry, go ahead. Well, and, and you don't cut Des Fitzpatrick. You can't. So, yeah, I think Akina would be the odd man out. You'd, you would hope he clears waivers, and then you can put him on the practice squad, and if the rules are the same as last year, protect him every week. So yeah. I think we've seen it uh, twice, I want to say, where – uh, uh, the Falcons, where, where they've taken somebody that the Titans have cut recently and claimed them. Uh, I think it's happened on defense, and then maybe it. I'm not often. I, I don't remember where the other position was, but I think it's happened pretty quick recently. I wonder if there's communication going on there where it's like, look, just kick us a conditional seventh round pick. You can have Nick Westbrook Akina or Cam Batson. You had him all the last year. Like he's familiar with what you want to do. You know these guys are. You know. You know Westbrook Akina is a willing blocker, like that whole spiel. And you just say, look, the more people you have from the Titans on the Falcons, the better in your eyes. It just just kick us a seventh round pick or something. Because what what we're saying is we think they're talented enough to field seven, but the structure of the team doesn't work for seven. It's just not not really what what this team I mean you can't be a run first team that has seven receivers it just doesn't work out so if we think the talent is there and you know maybe it's green bay but i, th- I think atlanta's got enough holes on their team where they could be looking and saying like we know this guy we like this guy let's try to pick for him so you think four tight ends yeah i, mean, I think Stalker. it's going to be yeah i think it's going to be uh Ferkser, Swaim, Stalker, and then one of the rookies. And I think Tory well, Carter is a guy who is versatile enough to line up different places. And I think Forrestal is a big enough guy, and he did enough stuff at Alabama. But uh, now I'll say this: I have not, I have not laid eyes on him. So Luke would be able to speak better to what they've been able to do, and we'll know a lot more in a week after we see him in pads. But you know, they didn't bring in three undrafted free agent tight ends for nothing. I think I think they want to be deep at that position. Yeah, that makes sense. By the way, I've never heard of Tory Carter in my life, so he was a tight end slash fullback <laughs> at LSU. He's actually he's actually pretty good. I I like him, but you know I like all our under after free agents. So what? Wouldn't he be competing for a spot with Blossom Game then? Well, they love Blossom Game, so I don't think he's competing for anything. Yeah, I think I mean I think they would just basically call him a tight end. And he would just be a tight end slash H back, but he would just learn how to play tight end at first, and then he would move into that role. Because I think Blasting Game should be playing more H back, like more like lineup at tight end. Like he should be doing more stuff for him at tight end, but they're just so comfortable with him at fullback that they haven't experimented with that. But uh, I, I would, I would be interested to see what they do if they had two of those kind of guys on the team. We are going to take a quick break after which Emily Proud will join the show. But first, guys, I want to talk about what I termed on the Buck Rising show last week, the Great Charade, and that is this kicking competition that I'm wasting my life away having to watch. 
previously it was between Tucker McCann and Blake Hobbiel. Both of them stink. Blake Hobbiel was cut. In comes Sam Ficken. I have not watched them kick yet. My guess is he will also stink based on his record in the NFL of missing kicks. It's going to be Guskowski or someone else, right? Like, definitely, I would think. It's got to be. I really don't want to go through through this again. They're like, they're, there's no need. If Goskowski wants to play, just bring him back. He was good for the latter half of the season. Just bring him back. Just just avoid the headaches. Avoid the, the catastrophes. Avoid the questions. I'm, I'm looking at you, Mike Rabel. Avoid the questions uh, in the post-game press conferences of why why this guy is kicking for you right now, even though he sucks. Just avoid all of this. Just sign Goskowski back if he wants to come back and, and get this over with. Yeah, I mean, I think I, th- I think uh, I sent you all that message where I said uh, hot take. I think that after the joint training camp that they're going to figure out that one of the kickers that's on the field that day is going to be their kicker, whether it's suck up or the kid from Miami that they, the undrafted guy that Tampa has, or whether it's one of the guys that they bring in, like I think they're going to want to find somebody and stick with it instead of just continually riding it out. And the addition of Ficken kind of makes me feel like that even more. I don't know. Like, is it going to be Guskowski? Because if it's Guskowski, why not just have him like that? That's the thing to me is I'm like, if, if there's all this rumor around, like, why drag it out? Why not get him into camp? It, I mean, he doesn't even have to kick. Like, he can just hang out around the facility. Like, whatever. Like, I, I, I don't I, I, I don't get why there's any delay if it's him. I mean, maybe it's he's told Brable that he'll come back for one last run if they can't find any other options. But if that's the case, do you really want that guy to be your kicker anyway? Too. I, I didn't know Zane Gonzalez is still a free agent. I would bring him in. I like him better than Ficken. I feel like they probably should have brought him in instead. This yeah, is a I kicker mean, podcast now. But we like <laughs> that's the thing is it's like how can you tell when a kicker is going to be good? Like we all thought Suckup's leg was about to fall off and he couldn't hit anything. He was hitting like sixteen percent from field goals in two thousand nineteen, and then he hit ninety percent and won a Super Bowl ring the next year. So, I mean, it's it's the weirdest thing in the world trying to pick out a kicker. All right, Emily Proud. In just a few moments, join now. On no nonsense by Emily Proud. I, I was I was hyping you up earlier, Emily, as as being uh, maybe the best of, of what we have in the Nashville television media department, um, and and you were just recognized for that with with a promotion, a new opportunity at WKRN as the uh, weekend anchor. So congratulations to you for that. Well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm excited to to be on this podcast, and I, I appreciate the uh, the kind words. I, I want to start with this, Emily. The, the question on everybody's mind, I'm sure, when they saw that you were going to be the guest on this episode, take us through uh, getting the show. Was it you or or Cal Baxter who got the shot of the the Mike Vrabel chicken dance? Oh, it was me. I, I would love to to receive full credit for that. That was that was absolutely me. That was something that actually I dates back to uh, when I was working in Knoxville and um, covering the Vols is, you know, we get the same routine stuff with them going through stretch and 
doing the individual drills and nothing really all that exciting. And so I would always kind of make it my mission to, to find the guys while they're dancing. And <laughs> that was always fun. I would always put a compilation together. But little did I know I'd catch Mike Rabel. And I don't even know if we can consider that dancing, but uh, doing whatever he was doing. Like, was that something where you saw it and, and you knew, like, oh, I've got this fantastic shot? Because it blew up on Twitter. I saw everybody was, was sharing it. Or were you, like, going back through your footage later and, and realized what you had? Oh, no. I knew it in the moment. I marked it. Um, so <laughs> what I mean by that is essentially I, when I finished the clip, I then put my hand in front of the camera and film my hand. So then when I go back to edit it, you can see kind of a black screen. So that way I know, okay, the clip before this is something that I really want to keep. You know, we do that when we shoot games. And there she went. Oh, man. I was like, oh, no, my phone cut out. <laughs> I thought uh, my internet cut out. Yeah, I was like, let, oh, man. Let me figure out how to call her back. Oh, crap. This was my fault. I Did we run out of money? Yes, and I set it up to do it for free. <laughs> This is insane. The one time we don't like have it checked or whatever. I literally have it. I literally clicked an option two years ago to when we run out to just recharge it. Hey. Hello. That that was our fault. Hi. What what happened oh. was about two years ago when we started this podcast, I loaded up money on Skype, and each phone call costs like fifteen cents, and we just hit our limit for the last two years, and so it booted you out, and I had to reload the money onto the account. Uh oh, you need some help? Can I Venmo you fifteen We're, cents, or you guys, th- you got it? I think we got it. We got it under control. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, when we were rudely interrupted by by Skype, you were talking about cleverly marking your your Mike Vrabel video <laughs> with your hand. Yes, no, I'm sure everybody wants to know the intricacies of uh, filming and shooting and all that fun stuff. So I will move on with that story. Uh, but no, <laughs> I, I just you know it, it 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 ends up being kind of a fun little thing, and I absolutely knew that I had it. Um, kind of the parts that that you don't see that clip was longer. I saw him making some weird movements with he was putting his hand on his hips and kind of moving them back and forth and I was like what is he doing and so I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know ditch this shot I'm just gonna hold it and see what happens next and boy was I in for a surprise and um you know I'm, I'm happy that the internet got to have fun with that because I had fun with it too with people much much more clever than I dubbing it with uh, some fun music Hi, Emily. Matias here. Uh, my, my question for you is, of all the new faces on the Titans, which player has demonstrated the most personality or, and has taken the least time to get acclimated uh, on the team? And kind of to piggyback off of that, which new Titan has impressed you the most so far in camp? Yeah, so personality-wise, uh, which I guess we would call off-the-field sort of thing, um, I would probably say Elijah Molden. Um, I, he just he seems so comfortable in himself. And, you know, you, we talk to rookies, you know, all the time, year after year, and, and they all come in scared to death and just they look overwhelmed and, and trying to make that transition. And, of course, uh, the poor rookies last year had to do it under uh, very adverse circumstances. And so I've always just been really impressed by um, how much Elijah Molden just gets it. And that's always the hardest thing for rookies when they make their transition is first you got to figure out how to be a pro and then you have to figure out how to play pro football. And so it's, it's the tough transition. And I think that he's, he's one of the few guys in this class that just 
really truly um, gets it and, and feels like he's already more comfortable to where he can clear his head and um, keep his mind right to, to focus more on football side of things and less just figuring out the rigors of, of becoming a professional football player. And then when it comes to on the field, you know, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. I have always loved Tracy McMath. He was one of those guys that, um, that I, I really liked when they initially drafted him. Um, I think weeks ago when we were just going through the, the daunting June schedule where we really had nothing to talk about. We were just waiting for training camp to arrive. Um, my boss and uh, Corey Curtis, we were talking about, we come up, came up with random segment, just who do you think is poised to have um, the most surprising rookie season that could come out of nowhere? And I said, I thought Racy McMath. I, I was excited about him. I like his build. Uh, I like the fact that he has two guys like Julio Jones and A.J. Brown helping him out and, and getting him up to speed. And so I'm excited to, to see what he does. And so far, so good. Apparently he's a, you know, mini Julio Jones, according to A.J. Brown. So I think that's pretty high praise. <laughs> yeah, I, this this is Will. Emily, I love that quote. I talked about it earlier. Just kind of circling back to that, it, this isn't a really in-depth question or anything like that, but is this the biggest Titans team that you've ever been around? Because you look at guys like Julio Jones and Racy McMath and Rashad Weaver and all these guys who – whenever they're standing next to other people who've been on the team, you're like, man, that dude is big. And then you see another guy and you're like, well, that's the big guy. And then I, you see clips where it's Derrick Henry, Julio Jones and AJ Brown walking in around. And it's like, is this like the senior group on a high school team? I mean, they just look massive. Yeah. I mean, they all look like Derrick Henry at Uly high school. I feel so bad for those poor kids. They probably all quit football after that. Um, but no, I, I, you're a hundred percent right. And I really wish that I could remember which, head coach said this about um he said this in anticipation of facing the titans that weekend and i use this all the time because i love it the titans look great getting off the bus <laughs> that's the team that you see rolling up and, and hopping off the bus and you're going oh my gosh just one after another and you know it, it's it's kind of been what uh j-rob and, and mike rabel have said that they want the identity of the team to be big to be fast to be athletic and to their credit, they continue to draft players like that. The first thing that I noticed today seeing Caleb Farley out on the field was, wow, he is so much bigger than I thought he would be. He's bigger than all the other guys around him uh, with all the other cornerbacks. Also, somebody that randomly stood out to me today is um, Rashawn Weaver. I was so surprised that Rashad Weaver was as, as large as he, he is. He's so much taller than I think. That I, I don't know. I just think that he was shorter and, and stockier than he was. He's a really tall guy, too. And so, absolutely, um, it's good for, you know, the Titans organization. It's good for any team to figure out their identity. And it is visibly clear the Titans' identity is they just want to be bigger and more athletic than you. And I would say mission accomplished so far. Right before we brought you on, Emily, we were talking about the wide receiver position and how we think that will shake out at the end. And, and the two of us and Austin Stanley and, and Mike Keith were talking about that a little bit today at practice. How do you think it's going to shake out? How, how many are they going to keep? And then once you, you say that number, who do you think are make up that number? Whew, that is, <laughs> that's a big it's question. It's a loaded question. You were there. Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, we were talking to Mike Keith, and he said, you guys probably know better than What? Who knows yeah. better than Mike Keith? Like, are, are you kidding me? Uh, I just shut up and listen whenever know. he starts talking. Oh, yeah, no, I just try to soak it up as much as possible. Um, but that should tell you something, is that he has no idea how this 
could shake up. And as unsexy as it is, I think it's going to come down to special teams and who's able to do that, who's willing to do that. Uh, I think Chester Rogers is a guy that has emerged lately, not just uh, his ability receiving, but, you know, they've got to find somebody to return punts eventually. Um, also, Marcus Johnson had an incredible catch. And then listening to him speak after practice today, I was like, dang, I want this guy on the roster too. And so it's it's going to be extensive. Um, but, but as you know, Luke, the conversation turned into practice squad because that's something that could continue to be evolving. And I'm sure that the Titans would like to keep a lot of these guys on their practice squad. Um, but it's, it's a good problem to have. I also think that, you know, I'm not going to push the panic button on anything, but you see Julio Jones leave practice early and Josh Reynolds left practice early. And so now it's like, okay, it's good they have depth because they, they might be missing some of these guys. Who knows? I mean, this is just another reminder of how quickly things can change. You might think you're really deep at a position and all of a sudden one, two injuries happen and here you are. So it's, it's definitely a good problem to have. And I haven't been covering the Titans for decades, like, you know, some of the other people that we work with. Um, but apparently this is a, a new problem for the Titans. They're not yeah. used to having <laughs> this, this much competition, competition in the wide receiver room. So um, I'm choosing to appreciate it for now and, and we'll see. But I think that, you know, going back to your question, this could be a year that we see them keep more wide receivers uh, than they typically do, which would also say something about the, the evolution of the offense. You know, we're probably not going to see as, as many two, three tight end sets as, as we've seen in years past with the Titans. I believe they led the league in, in three tight end sets last year. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. But um, again, good problem to have for sure. There's been a lot of turnover on both sides of the ball this offseason. They have a new offensive coordinator, several new starters on defense, and even some on offense. Uh, are you expecting the Titans to look radically different than they did last season, at least in terms of performance? Uh, or do you think a lot of their strength, strengths and weaknesses will carry over into 2021? Well, I hope that looks drastically different on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that's, that's obviously very important. But what's great, too, about the defense is I, I would argue that they have less pressure than the offense because they just really kind of have to be average to keep this team afloat because the offense is, is definitely where you hope that most of the excitement continues from last season. Um, but I think what's, what's great about this Titans team is their identity and, and who they are is not necessarily, you know, reliant on one or two players or you need that identity. I think um, we, we learned that they were missing a lot of that identity in, in the secondary in particular. I missed the uh, MMNCB, like the my man catch no balls. <laughs> that was a clear identity and they were missing that. And that was taking Logan Ryan out of the mix. And so he's obviously an impact player when it, when it comes to that. But I think that what we're learning is that the Titans are more than just one or two players and that's exactly who they want to be. So as they continue to shuffle the roster, add in some new pieces, um, I'm, I'm hoping that the carryover is consistent with how it was last year because, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and it, the defense was broke and they fixed it um, on paper, at least. We'll see if it actually comes to play on the field. Um, but I do hope that, that some of that um, strength on offense can, can definitely carry over. And then also, you know, when we talk about carryover, it's all about last year. Well, we've seen some pieces of this Titans defense be really good prior to last year um, that can hopefully continue that. You've still got Kevin Byard. I, I still believe he is that pro bowler. You've got Jeffrey Simmons. He's been absolutely dominant, even when pieces around him weren't. Harold Landry, 
also very good player. It would be nice for him to, to get a breather once or twice on when he's playing. Um, but I, I hope that you see it all kind of come together. And for the most part, I have, have no reason to, to believe that it will <laughs> because, you know, it's kind of you have to show me before I believe it. But um, they've definitely got, got the pieces in place to do it. Yeah, and you bring up Simmons and Harold Landry, and I think until the pads comes on, pads come on, which I think happens tomorrow, it's hard to say. You know, any of the defensive linemen or offensive linemen are standing out, but that's one of the things I'm looking most forward to is seeing how that how the trenches go, how you know Raiden's goes, how Danico Autry fits in. When the pads come on tomorrow, what? which players do you think will have the chance to actually step up and instead of reading a blurb about how it's like, Oh, they stepped in and blew up a play when, you know, there's no pads on who do you think is really going to make an impact and really going to separate from the pack? Well, I'll bring up Weaver again. Um, he had a very clear sack today, but obviously uh, we don't want him rolling over Ryan Tannehill this, this early in camp or at all in camp. Um, but no, I think that that's, that's a good point is, you know, what can you really glean from the big guys um, until they actually start hitting each other? I also want to make sure, too, that Taylor Lewan's good to go. I want to make sure that Tyson Braylow is good to go. They have a lot of depth at the tackle position, but also a lot of question marks with two guys coming off of torn ACLs. Kendall Lamb hasn't played with the Titans yet. You've also got a rookie in Dylan Braden. So there's, there's some question marks there on the offensive line. And they were so beat up last year. I mean, to Give, give Ben Jones his credit. He played through a lot of injuries. Roger Staffold was dealing with some stuff too. And so we got to see uh, what happens there. But I just want to see, you know, just the, the contact aspect of it. Who hits hard? Who can handle the hits? <laughs> just the, those two things. But I'm really excited to see Weaver because before contact has been introduced for him, he's already, I've already seen pieces of, of his game the moves that he's been able to make, his ability to create space, to burst through the offensive line. I think that if, if we see that when it comes to somebody actually pushing him back, um, that, that'll be huge for the Titans. Emily, the last thing we've got for you is what we call the Ryan Tannehill speed round. And that is what yeah. we're going to do is, is <laughs> because Ryan Tannehill has been slandered by the, the national media and, and A.J. Brown called it stupid the other day. We're going to see where he ranks in the eyes of all of our guests during the preseason. Ben Arthur from the Tennesseans kicked us off last week. We're going to go through all the NFL teams. We're going to name the starting quarterback, and you're going to tell us, is that quarterback better or worse than Ryan Tannehill? Okay, I'm in. And it doesn't take as long as you think it would, and we'll just hop <laughs> right in. And, and you can say push. Okay. You, you can you – can, you can, you can take the, uh, the the no man's land approach and, and just say they're they're the same talent level. We'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Is Kyler Murray better or worse than Ryan Tannehill? Oh, geez, it's a hard one. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go with better upside. L- Lamar Jackson. Better. Matt Ryan. Worse right now. Josh Allen. Better. Sam Darnold. Worse. Joe Burrow. Worse right now. Andy Dalton slash Justin Fields. Worse slash worse. Yeah. 
<laughs> Baker. Now, this one is the one that everyone seems to be getting caught up on, and I don't know why. Baker Mayfield. Worse. That was easy. Okay, that, that, I think that's the correct answer. I don't understand the, the Baker hype. Dak Prescott. Uh, better. Okay, Drew Locke. Worse. I don't know why I thought about that. Former future Titan Drew Locke. Uh, Jared Goff. <laughs> Worse. Now this the Houston Texans is an interesting case. We'll go with Deshaun yeah. Watson, just so that the numbers better even as out. a quarterback. TD on personal life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I'm gonna guess that's going in the better category. No, I, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> better. <laughs> now here, insert Indianapolis Colts starting quarterback because we we don't really know what that's gonna look like. I think Brent Hundley's better than Ryan Tannehill, so I'm yeah. like, no, worse. <laughs> Win, I, if it's Marcus Mariota, if it's Nick Foles, if it's Carson Wentz, if yeah. it's Jacob Eason, worse, 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 worse. Here's another interesting one. Uh, Matthew Stafford with the Rams. I'm going to go with better. Trevor Lawrence. Worse. I, I don't know what he's like as a pro yet. Yeah. So. I'll give Kirk, Tannehill the benefit of the doubt. Now, now this there's a right answer to this next one. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Worse. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> him, him and Baker seem to be the one that, that people like. I, I, I don't get those two. A lot of these are very subjective, and I can see it either way, but, but those two yeah. I can't. We'll, we'll skip over the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and we'll <laughs> go to the New Orleans okay. Saints, whoever, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. <laughs> Uh, Jameis Winston pre-LASIK <laughs> worse, but I'm yeah. still excited to see how yeah. those eyes are working this year. Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders. Worse. Danny Dimes and the New York Giants. <laughs> worse. Justin Herbert. This is also an interesting one, I think. I'm going to say better, because I, I said better for Kyler Murray being upside, so same same goes for that. Jalen Hurts. Worse. Tua Tonga-Vailoa. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Sorry. He is. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> what you say? Tua, worse. Jimmy Garoppolo slash Trey Lance. Ooh. Uh, worse. Better looking, but worse. Yeah. <laughs> Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. Worse. But Russ Mac Wilson. Jones, better. No, I'm just kidding. Um, better. Uh, Zach Wilson. Worse. TB12. Better. Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. You say better. I, I don't know about that one, man. Like... <laughs> That wouldn't hurt me. That did one. You, you just, you, just you gotta let her. You gotta let her did, go through the process. Did you watch him play the Titans? <laughs> Minus the fourth quarter when he threw like three interceptions. Yeah. Everybody looked good playing the Titans. Remember that? That shouldn't be. That should be the measuring stick. <laughs> yeah. And finally, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Washington Football Team. 
a million percent better beard, but worse football player. So you were you were uh, pretty significantly lower on Ryan Tannehill than Ben Arthur was. You you according to your rankings, really? Ryan, Ryan Tannehill is the thirteenth best quarterback in the NFL. Oh, I like where I landed. That's pretty mild. I feel like I won't get attacked too much for that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because I, I don't know. That, I, where I, where did Ben end up? Ben he had him at like it was either nine or ten. Is where he he fell. Okay. So, I I don't know. Like the the Kyler Murray one is what gets me. What what do you guys think? Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't get over consensus. the big Big Ben one. Yeah, like, I, th- I think we're we're a consensus. <laughs> well, it's like, hard. Seven. Okay, is this is this a right now or is this because? Yeah, it's right now. That's it's the not thing. Like That's the, the thing. Future. Yeah. Well, then I might go back on Ben, but I mean, I just. Well, he he transformed know. his body this year, you guys. Like, did you see it? He's he's not Big Ben anymore. He's just <laughs> I did. Ben. Yeah. You remember how many he's times Marcus Mariota did that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just above yeah. average sized Ben. If, it, I will say, yeah. uh, it, it feels like every year, like there's just a question that gets asked in press conferences every year, and it's Derek Henry working on his receiving ability, and it used to be <laughs> how's Mariota's weight. Like it, it just yeah. felt like that would never stop being asked. Emily, thank okay. you so if much. You'll for, allow me for... to. I'll go. I'll go back on Ben, but that's it. Oh, okay. So I won't we'll, go back we'll, on anybody. We'll else move Tannehill up to twelve. Pat. Maybe that will will keep the uh, the attack mob from from getting after you. Uh, Emily, yeah, thank you so will. much for joining us. <laughs> it, it, we've had so much fun, and uh, we'll, we'll look to have you back on during the season, hopefully. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. I failed to mention when Emily was on with us uh, where you can follow her. You can follow Emily Proud on Twitter at Emily underscore Proud. Emily underscore Proud, just like I am Luke underscore Worsham. All right. Before we get into Stop the Nonsense, one more topic that we need to hit on is that Caleb Farley, the golden goose of the Titans 2021 draft class, practiced for the first time on Monday after passing a physical and being removed from the non-football injury list. It was a big deal, of course, and while he didn't participate in the whole practice, what he did do, he was clearly doing at 100%. He's just being eased back into things. And the question I've got for you two is very simple. Does this mean that he's a lock to play week one? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't know if it's as a starter, but if you're already in training camp and I don't know if he's going to play in the preseason, I assume he would get a couple of snaps. But, I mean, we're more than a month away from the from the regular season opener. He should be out there unless something uh, goes wrong or, or maybe uh, maybe his back starts to act up, he gets back spasms or something like that, or, or I don't know, he pulls a hamstring or something. I don't want to put this out into the world, but if the, oh, if everything God. is copacetic, <laughs> I know I'm sorry. But if everything is copacetic health wise, he should be out there. There's no reason like w- there's no reason to coddle him, especially if he's he passes physical. He's perfectly healthy right now. He's out there already. I mean, what what could go wrong? Yeah. So my stop the nonsense is a little bit about this. So I'll get into it later, and I won't dig too deep into this. But the good news is is you know. Uh, famously he rebuked this injury in the name of Jesus and 
uh, he, he got, you know, he told everybody that he'd be ready for training camp, all that stuff. He missed a couple of days early. There's still not pads on, but he was out on the field with everybody else before it ever really mattered. So, I mean, for, for every practical purpose, he was right. Like he was just inside doing work instead of outside doing stuff. So, you know, this is, and I think Ian Rappaport said it best, which he said, um, it looks like the Titans pre uh, pre or pre draft medicals were correct, which is basically like other teams weren't sure if he'd be able to play. The Titans were able to get hands on and have him be looked at by their doctors, and they vouched for him. And it looks like six months later, everybody was right. Who is peeling an onion? Sorry, I'm opening an envelope. <laughs> but yeah, like that, that's that's the important thing is he's out on the field, and if he plays week one or not, like. That all depends on, you know, comfort level and all that. We've talked before about how we don't like that excuse of, you know, oh, he didn't know the playbook well enough, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, like, with his back injury, at least we know that if he doesn't play, it's because he's not as good as the other premium options like they've seen in Christian Fulton and Janoris Jenkins and, uh, I mean, even Breon Borders, who's been good. So it's like... It's not like they don't have options to play until he's 100% perfectly ready. Luke, did you see him in person today? Luke? Sorry, I muted my mic. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I did see him in person. Not a whole lot because he didn't do very much. Um, You know, if he's cleared and he's fully healthy... And the season doesn't start for like six weeks. Like we're still a, a, a decent ways away from this, and there's no more setbacks. And you're easing him back in. And week one, he practices fully. Forget this nonsense about well, he's a rookie, and we're gonna let week <laughs> one. I'm putting him on D hop all game long. If he has picked up the playbook completely and you feel very confident in Matthias, him. It's, there's no playbook. It's called press man coverage. Go. You yeah, wouldn't put Janoris Jenkins true. on DeAndre Hopkins? You would put Caleb Farley on him? Yes. Right out of the gate? Yes. That, that's a big ask for a week. I mean, it, they didn't draft that him first off like one He's one. a confident guy. He can handle it. <laughs> I mean, Cortland Finnegan was confident. Like we we saw how how that goes sometimes. Like you can't like confidence is great, but yeah, I mean I like I guess my bigger question is is he gonna play in preseason game one? Like, are they gonna keep him from like physical activity until later or are they gonna say, Okay, we're gonna immediately put you in with the second team? Because that's I, I would ten play days him in away. the preseason. I don't know that there's a point to well, okay, there is a but, point to it. it it's yeah, getting him snaps. But like you got to remember, he hadn't played. He didn't play last year, so it's yeah. been it's been what like twenty months since he's played a football game. Yeah, like, you got a point there. I mean, hey, I would definitely. You need to get acclimated. Yeah, I would definitely. I'm still I'm still putting play. him on DeAndre Hopkins week one, man. I'm like, he's that good. <laughs> Just let him go. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I guess we're going from is he going to play to is he cornerback one? So I mean, it's a good problem to have. Like. I don't think that's how the Titans are going to call defense. So it really doesn't oh, matter. No. <laughs> but like, but it, like, I, I, I guess I wouldn't be afraid of him being a boundary corner. So I wouldn't be afraid of Hopkins going against him at least until I was proven wrong. And then I would adjust. 
And if he sucks, you put Janoris Jenkins on him. Yeah. But I don't think I really that'll happen. I think Harley. Exactly. No, no, I just, I, I don't think if, if it goes horribly wrong putting him on, on Hopkins and he gets, you know, roasted, his confidence is not going to shoot down. Like, this no. guy, it is sky high for him. He will not get down. He seems like one of those guys who has a really quick memory. Oh, he'll, he'll be uh, like, V- Valentino Blake playing the worst game you've ever seen and like adding fans on Twitter and being like, you you don't know what you're talking about. I'm the best. Yeah. Which you might be right. I will say from the, the few clips I've seen and a couple of pictures, he is, he is big. He is a big dude. Uh, and he makes a, what is he like 20, 22, 21, something like that. He makes some of these other guys 22. Look, like really, really small. It's kind of crazy. And again, I don't, I don't want to harp on it too much. But if I was, if I was the Titans and I was going to play man coverage, I would have to put him on AJ Green, like on slow old AJ Green, and just let him bully up on a legend like that. That's what I would do, like, because AJ Green looked cooked last year. Like, put your young guy on him. Let let Kyler Murray make the mistake of throwing it towards him just because he's done it all through camp, and then get picked by the guy who runs like a four three. But I mean, whatever, like. That's that's the problem with having too many good corners is there's too many good problems. It's time for Stop the Nonsense, guys, as we wrap up our wrap-up of the first week of training camp. I'll get us going. You know, my Stop the Nonsense is, is generally the Colts, specifically this video that they tweeted <laughs> out of Michael Pittman where the, the caption is, Silky. And he runs this route that is somehow a stick route, a comeback, and an out route all into one route. It's really quite amazing. So there's actually there's a curl, then there's the comeback to the ball, then there's a little out route. Yeah, it's like three routes in one as I'm sitting here watching this. Silky is the caption, and it was a two-yard gain. And... The entire offseason, as you hear my dog barking, has been like that for the Colts. This nonsensical hype that has no nothing behind it. And I think people are starting to realize it. Because now that Carson Wentz is hurt, which we didn't even get into, Carson Wentz out 5 to 12 weeks. Thank you, Frank Reich, for that very detailed timeline. Now that Carson Wentz is going to be out for a significant period of time, People are starting to realize, because I think one of the reasons people are getting so hyped about the Colts is they uh, imagined that the Colts were getting 2017 Carson Wentz, and they are like, Super Bowl bound, baby. Well, now that he's gone, and he was never going to be that anyway, but now that he's out, now that he's gone, people were like, all right, wh- what else they got? Uh, nothing. People are starting to realize that it's, it's Jonathan Taylor, it's DeForest Buckner, it's Darius Leonard, and then a whole bunch of nothing. And so the the my specific stop the nonsense is this dumb video of Michael Pittman running three routes, catching a two yard pass, and uh, doing doing nothing. And then my general stop the nonsense is the Colts hype, which I think people are starting to figure out is fraudulent. Yeah, wasn't even a good route. I, I've seen it. Very weird and. Yeah, I, I mean, we talk about this every offseason. I feel that the Colts are getting 
all this hype. And yeah, sure, they've made the playoffs. I think the last couple of seasons they definitely made it last year. Um, but did they make it last year? Yeah, they lost to the Bills, yes. right? Correct. And the year the year before, didn't they lose to someone someone else in the first round? The Texans. Oh. I can't remember. I don't. That, anyway, no, they didn't make it without Rivers. They didn't make it the Brissett year. Oh, so it was the year before with Andrew Luck. Anyway, they're always hyped up as Super Bowl contenders for whatever reason, and they never make it. They never even get close, and I just don't get it. And we've talked about them. We talked about them last week, I think, or the week before, where we talked that their roster just is just meh. It's just average, and they keep getting this hype, and they were getting this hype. This offseason hype was was absolutely ridiculous because people were projecting Carson Wentz to turn back into an MVP candidate just because his former offensive coordinator was the head coach, completely dismissing the fact that he was quite literally the worst starting quarterback in the league last year. And you don't just go from that back to your best in one season. Like, if you're bad and you show your worst season, what are the worst— one of the least efficient quarterback seasons we've possibly ever seen. You don't just come back from that and turn back into an MVP candidate. That was absolutely absurd, and I, I just we, we just don't understand the hype. We really don't. He missed twenty five percent of the season, and he led the league in interceptions. I mean, I don't, I don't like. Not only was that hype all artificial, but everything about that. They don't have a left tackle. They don't have their pass rushers in place. Like they they are just a fake ethereal team, but I mean, uh, more to the point, it's only going to be worse with, you know, this five to 12 week injury, because even if like, let's say it split the difference and it's what eight weeks. I mean, that's four weeks of the season. If you start out one and three, or if you start out, Oh, and four, I mean, what are the odds you're going to jump back in, especially when the only changes is your quarterback going from really bad to slightly less bad. Um, I'll jump into mine since we talked about it a second ago. Um, my stop the nonsense is, and it, this is sort sort of uh, we've been over it, but Lewis Riddick said uh, when Teron Davenport put out clips of Caleb Farley's first day of practice, he said, "quote Special man cover and ball skills is as important to the Titans' defensive success as any player on that side of the ball. They must keep him healthy and on the field." So, look. I don't. I don't have a problem with having high expectations for for Caleb Farley. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. None of that matters to me. Like I don't care how good you think he's going to be or whatever. But this idea that he's like an elite cornerback one, like right out of the gate, like not not to what you were saying, Luke, but just in general, like look, he may be great. We have not seen him play football in a year. He's got all the skills. When he played, he was fantastic. But he is not as important to the rest of the team's success as anybody else. Like he's not as important as Jeffrey Simmons, as Harold Landry, as, you know, the development of Hooker and like the if Bayard gets better, like the linebackers, like the this team is not gonna ride or die based off what he does. So I, I don't like this, like let's throw all these expectations on him immediately. Notoriously, Kevin Byard didn't have an interception until, uh, I believe, his second year. 
And I know Adoree Jackson didn't either. And then when Adoree Jackson was healthy, he was one of the best corners the Titans had had in the last few years. So, like, he he may only have a pretty good rookie season. And that's okay. That's why the team is built around having a deep group of cornerbacks and having Christian Fulton and having Breon Borders and Jenkins. Like th- there's a reason why they invested so heavily in cornerback and then still took him. Like he should be good this year, but this idea that he's like the, the silver bullet that this team is going to like, ri- like they'll either make it to the Super Bowl or they won't. And it'll be because of how he plays is a weird narrative that's starting to pop up more and more. And I just want to go ahead and push that down now. Yeah, I will close out with a true doozy. This was sent in by Eldon English, fan of the pod. He sent this uh, to us today, uh, and I just had to talk about it. So it's an article by a guy named Carlos Sanchez. He is – listen, if this was just like a contributor, fine. But this is like an editor for a, a Jacksonville Jaguars website called Black and Teal. And it is an article saying three bold trades, the three bold trades the Jacksonville Jaguars could make with the Colts for Gardner Minshew. All right. Put on your helmets because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Trade offer number one is tight end Mo Alley Cox. This one isn't that crazy, honestly. But Mo Alley Cox has been one of the most efficient tight ends uh, in the NFL, to be honest, over the, over the last couple of seasons, he finally broke out last year uh, and is positioned as probably their starter because Trey Burden, uh, I believe, left. So I don't think that one's going to happen. But we move on to the other two trades. Trade offer number two, safety Julian Blackman, who was a third round pick from, from the Colts in 2020. He was one of the best rookie defensive backs. Uh, in the league last season, and he's a starter for the Colts. But this guy thinks that the Colts might want to trade Julian Blackman straight up for Gardner Minshew for him to play possibly <laughs> possibly zero games because Wentz might be back uh, by week one. But then we get to the real the real cherry on top. Trade target number three, defensive tackle DeForest Bucker. He, did, he didn't even say Buckner. Bucker. But he wants the Colts to trade DeForest Buckner straight up for Gardner Minshew. DeForest what? Buckner, the the yeah, no, this is this is one of the trades. They want uh, him DeForest to give Buckner. up the best run defender in the league for a backup quarterback. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. guy who they gave twenty million dollars a year to last offseason, who had nine and a half sacks. Is this, is this a Raiders season. fan? No, this is a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Well, yeah, of course Who wants he wants to. Yeah. What? But um, no, this was just one of the most insane articles uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and and the the last part of like before he got this all started was I'll just read I'll just read the paragraph. The Jaguars are better off keeping Minshew. <laughs> First of all, that one got me. But if someone came calling with an enticing proposal, they should listen. Keep in mind they can afford to trade the former Cougar as they have C.J. Bethard on the roster. <laughs> and then he goes in, like, what if the Colts aren't interested in parting ways with their picks, they could offer any of these three players. And one of them is DeForest Buckner. The other one is Julian Blackman. 
And the other one is Mo Ali Cox. All for Gardner Minshew, who, by the way, isn't good and possibly might not even be better than Jacob Easton. We really don't know. He might not be. But uh, that was an insane article. Really, really crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Yeah, that's nuts. That's, I, like, can you send me a link to that? Will do. It's, it's and like I said, like, the guys so fired. <laughs> I, I'm, lo- I'm logging on to No Nonsense Twitter it. so that I can see, I assume, Eldon. Okay, yes, I see this now. Okay. Shout out Eldon for making a Dude, look at, look at the ratio. Do you guys see the ratio on this? I know. Got, they got wrecked. I know. Two, two retweets, 14 likes, 118 quote tweets. Yeah, and the guy like added himself in the uh, in the tweets. The editor of the website. That's the thing. Like, if it was a if it was a contributor, like I don't know, a high school a high school kid or something, uh, writing that article, like I wouldn't I wouldn't crap on him. But you're you're the editor for like a a pretty important Jacksonville Jaguar site. You can't just can't put this out there into the world. I remember writing in high school that Derrick Henry wasn't very good. And he wasn't, and I got we were all young. goals for that. Yeah, man, this is wild. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, that, that's a that's a great what? thank you thank you, Eldon, for sending that in. That's fantastic. Uh, that's gonna do it for the three of us. We'll be back next week for another training camp recap, and we are just under two weeks away from a preseason game. I know Will is just beside himself about that. Uh, we are days, like hours away from the Hall of Fame game. So I am all about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> my you, stop the nonsense is Will watching the Hall of stuff. Fame game. You mean watching deep into the fourth quarter of the Hall of Fame game and tweeting about it? Oh, man. Well, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. For Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.